You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. There is a curiosity that you can't switch off. And the more you let it run wild, the bigger it becomes, but not in a bad way, in a really fun way. For centuries, the cafe has been a place for ideas to be pondered, debated and nurtured. In my home city of Melbourne, the cafe has been taken to an art form, and many a new venture has been crafted in a journal while sipping a latte. It seems fitting then that the first episode of Subtle Disruptors was recorded in a cafe. My first guest spent many an hour pondering how to summon her own bravery. I'm Adam Murray, and I hope you enjoy the hum of this episode, the buzz of my first guest, Joe Lee as I talk with her about her journey of disrupting her own life. Tell me why you picked this place, what this place actually is, yeah, and why it's significant and important to you. Sure. Well, we're sitting in a cafe that is now called Journeyman. Um, I'm sure people can which, probably hear the, uh, the background noise yeah. of the cafe. So we're sitting in Chapel Street in Windsor, in Melbourne. And although the name of this cafe has changed, it was originally Jutes. The reason that we're, that I brought you here, Adam, is because this was one of the places that um, I think I had some of those hard conversations with myself when I was working a job that I was both very hopeful about, but feeling very disappointed about as well. And it was during that period that um, I was regularly working from home as well as in the office. But I lived close by here back then. And when I was working from home, this was the coffee shop that I would come to for my daily coffee to make sure that I had left the house and that I wasn't going insane (laughs) working at home by myself. And yeah, so this this was probably the place that I could say that I decided to start the journey, um, I guess, of being an entrepreneur, if I can call myself that. Um, Yeah, this is probably the the place that I could say I've decided to be um, brave or live out the capacity of my, of what my courage, I knew my courage could be. Yeah. That's really cool. So what, I mean, what job were you working when you first started having those conversations? Uh, it was when, it was, it would have been the first, my first job out of uni, so my first full-time job that I started having those conversations. Hmm. I was working for a big organisation and worked with some really amazing people, really interesting people. Um, had a few challenging roles within that organisation, so that kept me really interested for quite a long time. But got to a point where, in terms of that challenge, I didn't really feel like there was anywhere for me to progress outside of that organisation and decided to leave when there was more desire sitting in me to go and brainstorm in um, one of the meeting rooms. We called it the whiteboard room, or the white room, because all the walls were whiteboards and it was a standing standing meeting room so there was no table no chairs and um, my desire to be in that meeting room and brainstorm and dream was <laughs> overwhelming my desire to actually do my job day to day so that was yeah. when I thought it was time to time to leave that particular role yeah 
Um, yeah, that was when the curiosity started um, taking over, I guess you could say. And when you were yeah. saying that like this was the place that you used to come to to make sure you got out of the house, you'd left the job you were talking yeah, about already. Yeah, so I'd left that job by then and um, at that stage I was working in a job that where I was travelling quite a bit, so travelling to different parts of Australia um, in a management or business development role. And, and that role I enjoyed and the organisation or the business I, um, I really enjoyed too. Um, but yeah, I was working from home um, for, for a large chunk of that time as well when I was back in Melbourne. There wasn't a, a, um, an established Melbourne office, so um, I was working from home most of the time when I was back in the state. And uh, what, what were those conversations or how were you having them and what were some of those tough questions you were asking yourself? Um, well I think I've always really liked, um, I've really always really liked puzzles. Even as a kid I really enjoyed I guess um, the piece that I found in figuring out which parts were meant to go with which and how I was going to make it work or how it was meant to work. Yeah. And a lot of those, com like the conversations that I was having with myself actually resulted from, I guess, the brainstorming and the dreaming that I was doing for these other businesses. Yeah. Um, yeah, when, when I was in a space like in this cafe where I could sit down without anyone else around and I would start brainstorming for on behalf of other people the brainstorming would seem to always take a curve and I would be brainstorming or dreaming for myself or for other projects or areas of interest that um, that were really you know grabbing me at the time and um, and so as a result of, of that the conversations then started around well if I'm finding it Again, if I'm finding it hard to focus on the job at hand or you know the job description that I've been given um, by the person who's <laughs> paying my rent and paying my bills, then I need to have like I need to look at whether there's another way that you know the rent and the bills get paid, but I can keep dreaming um, my own dreams mm. and not dreaming on behalf of others. Yeah. 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 And those conversations happened either just in my head or visualizing giving myself a bit of a talking to across the table. <laughs> um, and also in the form of journaling as well. So I really enjoy writing. Yeah. And for me, it's a really good practice. Um, I almost find it quite meditative as well because there's something really calming about getting words out of your head and formed on a page. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe writing things out helps me as well because it means that it's the puzzle's out on a page and it's that's how I solve puzzles. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Sometimes well, some, yeah, sometimes that's the way it works. I mean I imagine there's a lot of people around Melbourne who have started in cafes. You know, yeah. cafes, obviously Melbourne's synonymous with cafes, but yeah. sitting down in a cafe and doodling and pondering is, like it's kind of like a rite of passage in this city for yeah. getting to the point where you need to get to. 
and I'll, everybody needs that period of staring at a wall <laughs> with a really good flat wire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's, I think that might be true, or at least the equivalent of that. And for you, like, how long did that process go on for until you got to the point where you gave yourself? you noticed what you were doing, like you weren't just thinking about what you were supposed to be thinking about, supposed to be in inverted commas, but you were thinking about the stuff that you were actually curious about and that's where your mind was going and you know, how, long did that, how long did it take you to observe that and what, did you have people guiding you in this process or was it sort of like your own inner voice that was guiding you? Um, at that stage, for a long time, I don't think I, I fully identified what was going on. Um, and I think part of that was fear as well, because launching your own projects and going out on your own and not being within the confine, the really safe confines of a salary and superannuation, um, a permanent contract is really scary. So for a long time, I was probably partly in denial about what was going on because I didn't, at that point, I didn't know a lot of people um, who I guess could help me figure that out or could help me and not be scared about that prospect for me as well. Yeah. Um, because it's quite, I guess, you know, the journey of being an entrepreneur or being in small business or medium business or, you know, being the boss of what always starts as one. <laughs> is terrifying for a lot of people yeah. it's really risky yeah um, so I didn't have many people around me I had a few people in my life who um, I found really inspiring and I think I'm am I allowed to say you were one of them <laughs> um, who yeah just people who I found really inspiring and intriguing and who were doing things a little bit differently in terms of you know, business and life and um, just living outside the box a little bit. So I had I had quite a few of those sorts of people who gave me a little bit of advice. But for a long time, it was all internal. It was, um, I guess you could say, intuition or having conversations with myself or having conversations with God or your subconscious or your part yeah. consciousness. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. For a long time, I wasn't ready to say it out loud. I get that. I mean, it's funny you say I was one of the people that inspired you. I feel like you're a couple of years ahead of me on this journey. So you're oh, certainly really? like, yeah, okay. one of the people that inspired me. Well, maybe I had a bit of a hiccup, I suppose, in my journey where I went back to, you know, the corporate world and got myself stuck again after getting out of it once yeah. and then had to try and get out of it again. But it is, yeah, the reason I ask that is because I mean, maybe the, maybe the tide's turning a little bit at the moment, but it's kind of hard to find those people, or it was, you know, a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, it was actually really hard to find those people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it took me quite a while to to build up that network of support as well, and and I think, um, and, and part of that might have just been myself as well, in terms of building confidence in, you know, reaching out to people who were on that journey as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done the Good Life Project this year and that, finding that group of people has been like a, a massive support in doing what I'm doing now. But also, 
quite hard to tap into. But I guess part of that is once you kind of know where to look, and once, yeah, once you're sort of sure of the direction that you're going in, those people tend to pop out of the woodwork a bit more as well, maybe because you're more attuned to, to who they are. And, yeah, they are. and I think once, for me as well, once I started actually verbalising you know, what I was doing, the changes that I was going to be making, and then actually making those changes and starting to live them out, it was at that point that I, you know, uh, I think a lot of people thought that I was, had either, you know, <laughs> I'd had some sort of breakdown or that I was on the verge of some sort of breakdown and that was why I was making these decisions and, you know, leaving perfectly good, well-paid jobs and, um, but it was through the action, through the action of stepping into um, that journey just with a little bit more oomph mm. meant that um, other people around me who actually knew other entrepreneurs or you know people in business or people in really innovative or disruptive industries, it was through those people who weren't in that area, any other people in that area that started to go, oh, you should meet my friend such and such. Yeah. Oh, have you heard of this? My brother's friend is part of this group or, you know, part of this shared office or, mm. um, yeah, so it was through actually stepping out that um, my network grew quite significantly as well. And to go back to something you just touched on then about, you know, sort of starting to make those initial steps. Like, what what were they? What was, did you find there was some kind of core essence, if you like, or guiding principle, or, you know, something that you, you all of a sudden you realise, oh, that's what I need to start doing. And then what, you know, what steps did you take to start putting that into place? I think, um, for me, one of the big things in this, in this process was, um, that there was a level of frustration as well in that there wasn't enough of a creative output in the jobs that I'd been doing. And that frustration helped to fuel this decision because, or the decision to leave a really yeah. great corporate lifestyle. Um, and so it was almost like there was, part of it was that I felt like I needed almost like a creative sabbatical in a way, that I needed some time to kind of breathe and um, and figure out what that, ex that creative expression was going to be. Yeah. Um, for quite a while, I, you know, looked into kind of the usual creative business um, options. Um, so, you know, did you know, interior decorating and things like that for quite a while, and, which was good fun, but um, ended up feeling a lot like all of the other jobs that I'd been in. Yeah. <laughs> was not as, uh, I guess, liberating in the creativity um, area as I'd hoped it would be. Uh, but the actual steps, lots of short courses, um, gradually moving myself out of being an employee, so moving out of full-time work into part-time work yeah. uh, and just trying to be brave and meet people. Um, yeah. I get kind of what you're saying there, like 
I feel like I've had to do something similar. Like there's this year that I've had to go through where it's almost like I've needed to deprogram myself yeah. from a whole lot of assumptions that have been fed into me for a long period of time. Yeah. And you're actually, yeah, I think deprogram is one of the really good, it's a fantastic phrase to explain, you know, what that process was like. Yeah. It's almost like I had to uneducate myself to then yeah. decide how to move forward. Um, but I think in that process as well, for me, it, it in the, I guess, the uneducation of my life and what you're kind of told about work and responsibility when you're, you know, yeah. from primary school right through yeah, to uni. From prep, yeah. um, I needed, I I needed a break from that as well. I um, a lot of people take a gap year or a few gap years before they start full time work or before they start a university degree. And I never did that. I went straight from high school into university and then straight from university into full-time work. And I think because I didn't have a period where... Um, not that I could... Not really a period for, you know, doing the usual trip around Europe, backpacking trip around Europe or anything like that, but more just the breathe to start. Like, first stop and then breathe. And then figure out what it is that you really, like, you wake up and you want to do, whether someone's paying you or not. Um, and, yeah, so I, I spent a really big chunk of time doing that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess part-time sabbatical, I, I had to have a part-time sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. As well. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm calling this my gap year as well. <laughs> I, I got this theory. Maybe we we all need a gap year every ten years. Yeah. You know, well, just I, to yeah, get away from the normal stuff we do. Really interesting presentation a while back, and I I can't remember who um, presented it. I suspect that it may have been a TED talk that was the um, director of one of the you know most incredible um, creative agencies in the world. You know, voted like. Voted again and again, you know, best design agency in the world. And, yeah. Um, lots of awards and accolades, and, and and I'm not sure if they still do it because it was quite a while ago that I that I saw this presentation. But he talked about how his whole office every seven years shuts down for a year. Yeah. And every about this guy and as well. everybody goes on a sabbatical for a full year. Yeah. Um, but it's not a you know you you head off to your to your couch and. You sit there like a you know a couch potato on your sofa for a year playing PlayStation and yeah. eating potato chips or yeah. crisps. Um, you actually go and do something really proactive to get yourself inspired. So yeah. you book yourself in for a trip around the world where you visit all the best museums, or you go and spend six months in a monastery, or you know like you. You know, the, the clause is that you have to do something like really yeah. inspiring and really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the positive out of that was that even though obviously you lose money by not having anyone working in the office for a year, they actually um, he felt that they had fresher and better ideas because usually yeah. as a result of the the sabbatical that everybody took. 
So you said usually in year seven, like the year before the sabbatical, everyone's ideas and creativity, you can see it's getting really dry yeah. and they keep repeating the same ideas. And then everyone has a sabbatical year and it's like you have this five years of oomph yeah. again. Um, yeah, and he talked about how, you know, everyone should do it. You just shave a bit of time off your retirement and then you still end up you know, with the same amount of um, superannuation if you're worried about something like that. <laughs> yeah. But then maybe it's more about taking lots of sabbaticals and mm. not working towards retirement because you really enjoy what you do that you just right. want to work till you die. Exactly. There's no need but to in the very best, like in the very best way. Yeah. yeah. That's inspiring. It gets the whole office to do that as well. Yeah. 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 I find that really exciting. That's, yeah. that's like if I had a when I have a big team around me, like that's, yeah. in terms of, you know, innovation in workplace, like that's what I would love to yeah. be able to do. I feel like there's people going to be listening to this screaming into the podcast. His name is... <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'd be a Michael Peck. Michael Peck used to talk to me about that guy as well. Okay. I think he's a famous typographer. Okay. But yeah. Okay, so you had that... You had that sort of part-time sabbatical, mm. gap year, deep programming, and then, but there was a moment where I don't think you really had too much lined up, but you just took a plunge, and I don't even know if you had, you know, a whole bunch of savings or anything, but you did a really brave thing from what I remember, and just said, well, that's enough of that. This is the direction I'm going in. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I had... I'd been chatting to a few friends for a while about the frustrations that I had because I'd already left. Um, I'd already left the big kind of like salary jobs and moved out of full-time work and was working part-time for about 18 months. And and part of that period was so that I could do a little bit of study as well and just start that exploration. Um, but as always, you get caught up in the work that you're doing even if it is just part-time and I've been saying to a few people well maybe only two or three people that you know I should put a date in my diary and I've just got to like I've got to leave by then like I've got to do it and um, and and I you know had a few catch-up with catch-ups with friends where I actually put a date in my diary and was like okay great you know six weeks from now or three yeah. months from now like that's the cutoff I've got to do this you know just you know got to just quit and start something or start something and quit like yeah. you know the best way to get out of there is to light a fire on your chair so you eventually have to jump off um, but all of those dates passed and I um, I it was when I met um, one of my I guess someone who's in a mentoring role for me now when I first met this person um, I was listening to them talk about something and they just said the phrase if not why not and there was something in the way that he said, in the way that he said it it felt like I had been punched in the face and it was like you know that the universe or God or you know some sort of something outside of myself had you know thrown a glass of water in my face and was like 
why haven't you, like, why have you let those dates pass? Yeah. And I felt so, I guess, convicted that there was something really different that I determined to do, but I still hadn't got, had the guts to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't that I felt a bit ashamed that I let that pass, but it was that I, there was almost like this zap of hope in that punch to the face as well. Mm. And that was on a weekend. And then I think um, the next time I worked, which was the Monday or the Tuesday, I handed in my resignation. Wow. I gave about five or six weeks notice. Yeah. Um, that, that was the question that I gave myself. Was that was that I I gave a little bit of notice so I could um, internally um, rage against myself, yeah. then pull myself together and get ready for this. Yeah. And yeah, I did. I had relatively little savings. I um, but I also had I had this really interesting conversation with myself. But also, um, like I'm quite a spiritual person, so I'll say I had a conversation with God where I felt like I was standing in the plane and the door was open and I decided to jump out. But there was someone still there, God or the higher powers that be going, that's a really nice parachute you've got on, Joe. You need to get rid of that parachute too because if you've got a parachute on, you're not going to learn how to fly. So I um, and and what I felt was being said to me was that the savings that I did have were, was the parachute, and that I would end up using that as a parachute rather than um, for the business. And yeah. that if I was going to do this, I needed to really start from scratch. Mm. So I gave all my savings away to a charity. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Not many people know that, but. Maybe lots of people will know that. <laughs> I, that was, yeah, and, um, and I have no regrets in doing that because I needed, for me, I needed no parachute. Yeah. I needed to know that there was no trampoline being held on the ground if I didn't sprout feathers. Um, yeah, I, I needed to have no backup yeah. at all. Um, no other option but to okay. do this. Wow. So, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> now you do. <laughs> that is inspiring. And, and, I mean, it's not the advice that I would give other people, yeah. but for me at that time, that was, that was the conviction that I had. Yeah. And, um... It's really not, it's not sound business advice at all, but yeah, um, yeah that, that, was, that was right for me then. I get what you're saying. Uh, that, that idea of a parachute though is probably relevant to a lot of people. Like yeah. a lot of people, I know I did, let me talk about myself. Like I, you know, I took a leave of absence from my job. And it was, it was unbounded leave of absence. Yeah. And I wasn't earning any income from the job. It was kind of like, that was my parachute. I knew I could go back to that job at any time if I needed to. And the day I even tried to quit, my boss said, oh, why don't you just extend your leave of absence? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then when I got home, I'm just like, 
No way. Like, I, actually, I can't wait any longer. I've got to quit. And I rang him straight up and I quit. And that was it. Yeah. But yeah, that was my parachute, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so what... I mean, what was the... You know, apart from the creative outlet, you had the year of experimenting a little bit. Like, what... I guess bringing us back up to today as well. Like, what is, what's propelling you forward now? Like, what are the, what are the things you want to be working on and doing? And yeah. you know, yeah, what do you care about? Oh, so much. I'm sure that your recorder would not even be able to hold it all. There's a lot going on at the moment, and lots of really different, um, different things to what I've done before as well. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've done a lot in the creative space, in creative spaces around um, more along the interior decorating line of things, and also um, I've done a lot of styling work as well. So, um, and that's um, not uh, most people think of like fashion styling when you say when you say you know I'm a stylist. Yeah. It's more along the kind of lifestyle. Um, the lifestyle event, so it's more food, interiors, and um, lots of editorial work. So things that would go into magazines or on blogs or was foods for cookbooks, things yeah. like that. And that was all really, really fun. Um, styling is like putting together a really beautiful jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good fun because you determine where the edges are, what the corner pieces are of the puzzle, and um, and and it, styling is a form of artwork as well because you're playing with colour and texture and light and um, and it's also good fun because there's lots of really amazing people to work with out there as well. Um, at the moment, I'm finding that I'm actually going to be like the path that I'm on at the moment is leading more away from physical styling and I guess what you could say is more digital styling mm. so at the moment I think the future for me is going to look more like um, more work will be more like um, looking at user interfaces and um, user experience so but more for digital products okay. and those are products that um, products and services that I'm working on with um, a few people, um, but the main person I'm working on those is, is my husband Fong, so he's quite entrepreneurial as well. Um, but I'm completely loving working in the digital space, which I never actually thought was something that I would be interested in, in pursuing, but I am completely loving it. And I think part of that is because when you you know, looking at something like developing a user interface and understanding and developing user experience as well for services and products. It's it it's exciting for me because it draws on so much of what I've done in the past. It you know draws on my business background, um, my love and interest in psychology and people. Um, it you know I love research, but then I love design and creating really beautiful friendly and intuitive solutions for people mm. and yeah so 
my styling work is still in the physical world, but it's in it's um, increasing in the digital digital world as well. So you could say I'm really interested in people and how they react to things and how they use things. And it's so much of our lives is moving from not just existing in physical spaces, but we exist in digital spaces too. So I'm just some of my work is transitioning into that as well. Yeah. I guess the stuff that I love and I really care about at the moment, I'm really interested. Um, when I said just before, I'm really interested in psychology and people and the way that we work. So a big, um, there's a couple of different projects that I'm working on at the moment that um, I can't talk about all of them at the moment because sure. um, lots of the lots of them are in development or in infancy. So um, what they are today is probably not what they're going to be tomorrow, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, but a big area that I'm really interested in is um, is well-being and is what sorry is well-being well-being yeah and what that means for people and particularly I'm really intrigued about motivation like why people do the things that they do yeah um, in every aspect of their lives and so a lot of what I'm doing is looking at people's motivation and their well-being, their health in every sense of the word. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where work is leading me at the moment. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah it's really cool. I really, I get that. And you, the name of your business is? Uh, my business is The Visualary, so yeah. that's one of the projects that I have. Um, the Visualary is a word that I kind of made up in this cafe actually I was um, when in one of my dreaming brainstorming sessions um, the term that I the term came out of I'm not sure where but somewhere yeah. <laughs> and part of that was the frustration that what I knew I was capable of and what I desired to have from a work experience didn't actually exist um, in the real world yet. Yeah. So um, the Visualary um, has been an interior decorating and styling business, um, but I guess in the future it will it will be more of a term, I guess, for myself, referring to um, who I am and what I'm creating for myself, both in aesthetics, in the physical and in the digital and in the mental or emotional. Sorry? Or mental or emotional as yeah. well. Yeah. That's kind of interesting um, what you're talking about there. Like, uh, like well-being's been an increasingly important thing for me over the past year. Yeah. I can see a lot of businesses starting to starting to see that as a focus. Obviously, there's a lot of traditional businesses in yoga and um, gyms and I guess alternative types of holistic medicine approaches. Um, so it's very interesting to see that it's coming into even what you're doing, you know, yeah. which started off being around visualization and styling, yeah. moving into digital products, and now you're starting to sort of meld these worlds together and as I well. Think, and I think part of it is just a growing confidence in myself to just pursue things that I'm really interested in. And for myself, 
off of the life that I live, not in a work context. I'm, yeah. I'm really interested in health and well-being. So why shouldn't that naturally, you know, form in my work world as well? It, it should be a part of it. And yeah. Yeah, if I'm, you know, it's, if you're interested in it and you love it, then why shouldn't it be part of what you do? So, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. So I'll keep pursuing that. It's, I'm interested in it, so I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. That's, um... I think that is such a cool idea. Like I was listening to um, Jonathan Fields' podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert. You know Elizabeth Gilbert, yeah. yeah. And uh, I haven't read her new book, but it's. I think I'll start it next week. I've got it ready to go on Audible. Yeah. I, I don't read a lot of books, but I listen to a lot of books. Okay. Um, yeah, in the car, in the shower. <laughs> yeah. When I'm procrastinating, yeah. 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 Well, she was talking about that book, so I'll give away one of the one of the things, one of the secrets in it, but she was saying that someone, she used to talk a lot about finding your passion. And then someone, after one of their conferences, someone wrote her an email saying, I feel like such a loser after being at your conference and you're talking really? about passion, you know, because like I've been looking for my passion for 10 years, but mm. I feel like I've never found it. I've never found my passion. And it caused her to have a bit of a crisis point and think, well, do I really believe this about passion? Like, is this really a thing? And it started this train of thought where now she's like, maybe that's not the thing. Maybe it's about following your curiosity. Like, we're yeah. all curious in lots of different things and enabling or giving ourselves permission to follow our curiosity and see where it leads us. And, you know, I was, I'm just thinking about what you were saying and where you sort of, you know, you've come from in terms of the, even the visual area, right? Started off as an interior design business and then a, like a lifestyle styling business and yeah. into digital and now this kind of other curi natural curiosity that has come into your life around well-being starting to perhaps influence that direction as well. And it's not like there is one passion, like you've never said I'm really passionate about anything but jigsaws no. and visualizing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like the journey is naturally unfolding and becoming richer over time yeah that's interesting that you say that I um, I just in the you know the natural networking that you do as an entrepreneur met a really um, interesting guy a few weeks ago who has a number of different businesses around Melbourne and doing some really really interesting and different different things in, um, in a few different um, spaces uh, I won't give the whole story on him but we were having this conversation around how you know when you've got it's not that you get an entrepreneurial bug and you know you get bitten and then you're stuck with it it's that there is something that is always there and it's a curiosity that gets mm. to a point where you can't ignore it yeah you just want to know and you just have to do it and it it was one of those conversations where you kind of end with both of you looking at each other going, yeah, and nodding your head and going, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, it, now I'm just trying to, you know, verbalise, I guess, an emotion or a feeling, which I won't try to do over this podcast. <laughs> I'll just end up nodding my head and going, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's that there is a curiosity that, you can't switch off mm. 
And the more you let it run wild, the bigger it becomes, but not in a bad way, yeah. in a really fun way. And you kind of lose control of it a bit, and that's yeah. really cool. It, oh, yeah, it is really cool. It's bloody fun. Yeah, yeah. I find myself waking up in the mornings thinking these days, well, what's going to happen today? Yeah, there's, there's something really nice about, I guess, the reckless feeling around it as well. Yeah, there is. Like, I didn't have a proper gap year, but now I'm just being a crazy version of an adult, which is not really all that socially acceptable or normal or predictable or safe. Yeah. And doesn't really leave any room for white picket fences, but that's okay. Mm. It's actually good. Might be better. Yeah, I think all it might these. be better. Well, for me, it's better. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be considered more normal and acceptable and maybe better for our well-being to Absolutely. live this way as well. Absolutely. So maybe a couple of questions to, okay. to round things off. Um, so yeah, obviously this podcast is about subtle disruptors. It's for subtle disruptors and yeah. it's conversations with subtle disruptors as well. What, I mean, what is an area that you really want to disrupt? You know, what's... What's something that you think that you might already be starting to do it, or you kind of think that? Yeah, that'd be good. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Uh, no, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm good as well. Thank All you. Right. Cheers. Oh, maybe I'll stand that again. Um, so, what's an area that, yeah, you you are disrupting or having some kind of disruptive influence in, or you would like to in the future? You think is right for disruption or? that you'd like to be part of. Maybe you've hinted at it already, but yeah, what comes to mind? Uh, so there's a few things that come to mind. Um, one of them is motivation. Disrupt the idea of motivation. Mm. Uh, perception. Uh, I'm also interested in disrupting areas around finance. That might be a little bit further off, but that will, that's been sitting there for a while. And I'm also really interested in one day maybe disrupting, uh, I guess, the scene around spirituality or religion. I find that area really interesting too. Yeah. So I've still got to go deep on all three of those. So <laughs> I was not expecting those answers at all. So okay. they're awesome. So start with motivation. What are you? So motivation. Uh, motivation. Well, I said earlier that motivation is an area that I'm really interested in, especially yeah. when it ties into well-being. Um, I think so much of what I see going on for not just like not just for myself or for other people around me, but for the world in general, is that you know. Our main motivator in life is fear, and it's that whole idea of what would happen if the world was operating out of motivation that wasn't based on fear. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that kind of blows my mind a little bit every time I think about it. Yeah. Um, and I think part of, like a big part of that is because that's part of my journey. Um, 
is moving out of a place of fear into a place of, I guess, being myself and um, following really positive motivators. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you said finance? Finance, yeah. yeah. I think um, one of the areas, one of the really big areas that I'm not sure that anyone has really disrupted it properly yet is, is the area of finance. You know, um, for most people, a lot of people out there, there isn't really proper education on finance and money, and that's a huge problem, I guess, in probably the Western world is that we live lives that um, we actually can't afford. Like mm. most people are living with really amazing credit card debt and um, buy really expensive houses and drive expensive cars and buy particular types of food because that's just what they've always done. Perhaps motivated by fear. Perhaps motivated by fear, or habit, or um, apathy, who knows. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think there needs to be massive disruption in terms of people's education around finance. Um, but also, I think that people should be liberated by money, not mm. chained to money. Mm. Um, you know, for me, I would love to have a billion dollar business and do something really good with that money. Like, yeah. And I also think that there's just, there's too much reliance on um, big banks as well. Um, like, there probably should be some more alternatives out there. Yeah. Or, yeah, some sort of disruptive banking solution would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it would. I mean, that's a little bit tricky because there's lots of um, legalities around that. But then I guess there's lots of legalities around the taxi industry. And Correct. There's always, you know, in any kind of disruptive thing, there's always yeah. people that don't like it. I mean, disruptive it. industries are often illegal if you really look at it, but become so normal that yeah. the legalities are moulded around them. So yeah. I think um, I really like what you're saying there about finances, particularly around like disrupting how people consider finances. Like I think for a lot of people, it is um, it's a pressure rather than an enabler and a tool for something. You know, it's kind of like you have to have this certain amount of money in the bank to be able to do anything, or rather than you know, there's there's ways to unlock finance. That, Absolutely, that isn't even in most people's educational consideration. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the last one was around spirituality or yeah, spirituality yeah. and religion. I think um, I think I find that really interesting as well because so much of religion has been um, well, it's organised like a, co a corporation, and I think that is. Um, Whilst it's really positive for a lot of people and it's um, really helpful for some things, you know, especially in areas like, you know, distributing um, 
distributing resources to the poor and things like that. It helps if you've got um, yeah. a lot of structure yeah. and accountability. But I think in terms of you know spiritual exploration for people, there isn't a lot of there isn't as much of a safe options for exploration. There's a lot of people out there, like any industry or business or area of interest, there's a lot of people who will want to rip you off or take advantage of you. Um, but also, there's a lot of black and white in spirituality and religion. And um, I guess for me, I you know, grew up in a Christian family and um, you know, have, a, have a church background. I just think that there should be some more options for really exploring the possibility of something larger than ourselves. And yeah, I'm not quite sure how to answer this one. I think I caught myself by surprise when I said it too. <laughs> Maybe it's been sitting there and it hasn't been hasn't been processed yet. Um, but I think there should be more in that space. Yeah. And I think it will happen anyway. I think yeah. That's what the world is asking for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we don't necessarily need cathedrals. We need lots of really vulnerable, safe conversations. Yeah. yeah. And we need space within ourselves and in society to explore God as a safe option. Mm. Not mm. as an option that's chosen out of fear or that's, you know, used as discipline, but yeah. it's actually for what it is and could be for people. Which is love and peace and yeah. um, guidance. Yeah. That isn't really black and white. Maybe a little bit more grey. It's it's like even the journey that you've been on has been giving yourself permission to play in the grey a little bit yeah, and experiment. Absolutely. And absolutely. You've had to create that space for yourself in a lot of ways. That'd be kind of what you're saying there is even in the realm of spirituality and purpose, like. Perhaps the future of that, or the disruption of that, is to, to enable these containers where people can say or think or feel whatever it is they need to feel and feel okay to do that yeah. because it's part of them tapping into their spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see where you take those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just to wrap up, what's, what's some kind of... What's, say that there's people out here that would like to be on a similar journey to you or um, perhaps they are, they've just started on it, but what's some kind of encouragement or some kind of subtle step, if you like, that they can start taking that's easily within their grasp that you would encourage people to do? Um, well, I would, there's a few things that I'd encourage people to do. I would encourage people to uh, read as much as they can. Um, I... For me, I struggle to sit down and read just because of um, the frenetic pace of life at the moment and for the last couple of years. So for me, I um, devour books by listening to them. Um, so I'm a big audiobook fan. I know not everyone 
is into audiobooks, but um, that's how I... Do you um, speed it? I, I do speed it up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I can, I can get through, through them really quickly. That's kind of like my version of speed reading. Yeah. <laughs> is that I listen to, chip, I listen to chipmunks, pretty much, in the, um, in the shower. Yeah. And that is really great. Um, most of what I read is uh, non-fiction um, and lots of business books. And, um, but also, I would encourage people to read a lot of what they wouldn't ordinarily choose themselves. So, um, you know, all your favourite like business people or your heroes or, you know, look them all up. You can find, you know, favourite book lists for everyone under the sun, whether it's Bill Gates or um, Warren Buffett or Howard Schultz, whoever, you know, Oprah Winfrey, like whatever, whoever does it for you, look up what their recommendations are. Yeah. Um, and uh, something else that I would encourage people to do is to learn how to meditate or to soak, which is... Um, you say soak? Yeah, soak. Yeah. Um, so soaking is, it's more of a, um, I guess like a Christian practice, which is, it's a form of meditation, which yeah. is just stopping yourself, slowing down and um, resting, but not falling, not falling asleep. Sometimes yeah. I fall asleep though. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's another form of meditation. So learn how to meditate is really important, especially yeah. with the crazy lifestyle that comes with small business or entrepreneurial ventures. And I had one more, but I've forgotten. Oh, that's right. Do lots of things that are really uncomfortable, that make you really uncomfortable, um, but that also tie in with learning a new skill. So whether it's um, maybe learning a new language or learning to juggle or um, brushing your teeth with your left hand if you're right-handed, do something that feels really awkward but challenges you. Um, if you want to go on this path, you're going to be really uncomfortable a lot of the time and doing things that you feel like you can't do. So for me, it's really good to regularly try something different, feel a bit awkward, but then also have that gratification of mastering. Yeah. <laughs> mastering the new skill. So I'm really good at brushing my teeth with my left hand now. <laughs> and, um, and learning how to juggle. Yeah, I, I'm still learning how to juggle. Yeah. Writing with my left hand as well at the yeah, moment, wow. which is yeah. really hard. <laughs> actually really tiring um, but it's good so extend yourself challenge yourself yeah. in really in, in little in little ways yeah. if anything yeah. yeah excellent well I think that brings us to the end of the time okay. thanks heaps for hanging out with us today Joe. thanks so much Adam and um, maybe we'll get another copy hey thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors I hope you got something out of it love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now.